Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us. Hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the WNRG Podcast. We have Carrie Wang in the studio with us. Wong. Is it? It is. It's spelled with an A, but it's Wong. Well, thank you. Because of romanization, the joys of romanization Ah, in the Chinese language. Well, and and the same way with Spanish. The A is never long. It's always short. So, Carrie Wong in the studio with us. Thank you for joining me in the studio live where Tara and Brittany are calling in virtually. So, what we want to know is a little bit more about Carrie Wong. Um, Wow, that's a great question. So... Uh, I've lived everywhere. At least I feel like I lived everywhere. I was born in New York. I've lived in Tennessee, Texas, Illinois, overseas a bit in Bangkok and Singapore, and then um, wow. uh, undergraduate at Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, and graduate Ooh. school in University of Wisconsin Madison. And uh, I joined Humana shortly after graduate school, and then uh, been working here at Humana ever since. That moved me down from. Madison, Wisconsin, down to Louisville, Kentucky, at the end of '09, and I joined Humana in '02. So I've been here 16 years, just about. Oh wow! So that's kind of uh, that's my my early, I guess I call it that, uh, uh, journey. Uh, I have an undergraduate in history and English, and I have a master's degree in modern Chinese intellectual history. Makes me phenomenally unemployable for just about any job humanly possible. Uh, I don't believe that. I'm sitting here thinking I'm sitting with intelligence right no, here. No, certainly not that. Uh, I got an MBA at Bellarmine a couple years ago as well. Um, I joined Humana in '02 uh, on the sales side. I, I joined Humana, what is now DMS or Direct uh, Marketing Services, I believe that's what DMS stands for, and I joined selling insurance. Um, and I've worked all over the company, it feels like, uh, in the individual segment for quite a period of, period of time at Humana One before uh, we stopped selling individual insurance. Um, and then in '09, when I moved down here, I moved from the business side into IT, and I've been in IT since '09 uh, until now, and now I lead a center of excellence for intelligent automation. Intelligent automation is looking at uh, machine learning, uh, virtual data science, and combining that with robotic process automation, which is kind of like software robots doing the job of people, not walking, talking bots that you think of that 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 would be you know, rolling around the workplace, but software bots that are mimicking keystrokes and uh, mouse clicks of people. And I was, so it's kind of the artificial intelligence kind yeah, of thing. Right, get, getting right into that space. Watson. Yeah, so Watson, IBM's done a phenomenal job branding, so everybody thinks of Watson. But, yeah, at core, that's what it is. So uh, it's really about um, data science and virtual data science and creating algorithms that can uh, mathematically recreate uh, decision trees of people and then adding on process automation on top of that, really 
not to replace people, but to get the mundane tasks that people do mm. again and again and again. Sure. Start replacing those tasks so that people can move up the value chain and be doing some of the real high, higher level tasks that we really need them to do that can really make the big difference on the, those consumers and our members that we serve every day. Wow. There is some intelligence. There is a lot of intelligence behind <laughs> sure. that. Just like I said, I'm sitting with intelligence right here. Pretty sure you're going to be like the the 19th member of Anonymous, that group, right? <laughs> Something like that, you know. But, but if I did, I couldn't tell you just, anyway. <laughs> I also say, just kidding, everybody. Um, but <laughs> wow, that that is a lot of really cool stuff that, that you do. And you started off at DMS and the call center. Were you um, a frontline person taking phone calls? I was. I, I started my, my role here uh, answering the phones. Absolutely. Uh, first off, off in service before I got licensed and then uh, selling insurance as I got my licenses that came in in 02. And I've been, Humanity's had a phenomenal set of opportunities in front of me. I probably have had, been here 16 years, I probably had 10 different roles across uh, across the company doing different things all the time. Um, so it's been it's been a fantastic journey. Um, when I joined, we were probably only, I'll call it 11,000, 12,000 people, probably something like that. Wow. Um, so we've grown quite a bit as a company since since I joined as well. I'm old. What can I say? <laughs> not at all. Yeah, not at all. So that piece where you moved from <clears throat> Wisconsin to, from, I guess, Green Bay to Louisville uh, with Humana. Okay. Yep. So is it because you applied for a new role? Yeah, you know, I moved to Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. So I was working in the uh, uh, project management office or in the PNL and profit and loss and for Humana One at that point in time at the end of '09, and I moved uh, from that and I moved into IT and I moved to the engineering side. So I moved to managing the uh, development teams that build the software for our Medicare sales, which was you know DMS as well as MarketPoint, all our agents out in the field. Um, developing the software that they use to quote and enroll individuals, as well as the, developing the software that they use for their CRM, their customer relationship management systems. So I did that for a number of uh, couple years, and then uh, must have been at the end of twelve, I had the I'll call it the opportunity to uh, help lead uh, the IT side of Humana through healthcare reform. And so from twelve until must have been about fifteen. Um, three years of elapsed time and about 70 years of age time for me. I got to help lead our company through uh, the IT side of our company through healthcare reform, mm. uh, which was a phenomenal experience from a learning perspective, an extremely stressful experience from a life perspective, and, and, a, and a time that I both uh, uh, look back with, with fond memories, especially as mm. we all kind of came together in order to make a real difference in people's lives through healthcare reform, but as well as a time when I think I slept in the office any number of days. Um, and so that I don't I miss bet. that part at all. Wow. <clears throat> so that's been an interesting journey, needless yeah. to say. <laughs> I've done a little bit of everything. It's kind of nice. But I'm kind of <laughs> curious about um, how do you connect your role? You're on the leadership with Women's Network Resource Group. Yes, ma'am. So tell me how that, how that happened. How did how that, that happen? happen? Oh, that's a great question. Um uh, I'll say the the simpler, easy answer is because Kathy asked me to. But uh, the more complex question uh, mm-hmm. really comes down to to my family. So I'm married. And I got two kids. They are now uh, 12 and 13. Uh, they're about 18 months apart, which makes it a fun and exciting household every day for us. But uh, it goes back to last year. 
Um, and last year, through the presidential elections, a number of things happened from a social perspective within this country. And, and our, our kids are very, I'll call it, involved in, in what's going on in the world. We try to keep them well-informed. We like to have rich discussions about, about what's going on, and we want them to feel very empowered uh, about changing the world. I'm my own person that believes that individuals can change the world. Um, so my daughter was watching any number of the things going on with the presidential. Like, I guess that's not last year. That was 16. So that's the start of it. I'm still behind a little bit. but So she was watching all these things that was going on with the election, not only from the debates, but really through the Access Hollywood tapes. Mm. And those Access Hollywood tapes really affected her um, in, a large, in a large way. And she really didn't understand why it was okay for people to, to, to speak like that. And, you know, I played college sports and she was she asked me is that really how boys talk in the locker room mm-hmm. and you know my answer was no it, that's not that's not the way you know that's not the way that we do and and she's like is that is this the world that I'm going to grow up in what's it like what, what's this world going to be like when I go to work is this the is this is work like this is this the workplace is it, is it really like this um and my and my answer was like no it's it's not I said there there's definitively cultural things in our country that we still need to change with gender equality and really being equal but you know it's not like that and so then her question to me and back in it must have been back in 16 then was okay so dad what what are you doing about that she goes if you believe these things what are what are you doing to make this a better place for when i get to the working world um and i didn't have a good answer for her uh i had i didn't have an answer for her um i said you know i i do things with my team or the people that I interact with or, or that report to me. Um, and then my answer to her was, but I, I don't think that's good enough. Um, I think that's a good question, Alana. That's my daughter's name. I said, that's a good question, Alana. And I, I don't think that's good enough. And so then I started looking for what could I do? Hmm. And, uh, and joining the WNRG and trying to take on a leadership role within the WNRG really to look at not males just participating or, or, or within it, but being real advocates and advocates for change, advocates for changing the world that we live in today and advocates for changing the world in which, selfishly, my daughter will grow up in in the future, I think that's really important. And that's really what drew me to the WNRG. And, uh, and Kathy must have just known that because when she mm. asked, I was absolutely ready because my daughter, my daughter had really kind of challenged me about, well, what are you doing about it, Dad? me up because that's what it's all about when we when we talk about the wnrg too it's like anybody can join or anybody can be an advocate because no matter if you're male or female you have a mother or you had a mother at one point you have Mm -hmm. maybe a significant other wife children i mean there's there's women in your life there's women on your team and so how do you help support the women around you and i'm super inspired by that carrie thank you no certainly the the thing that really got me too with her wasn't the uh, well she really challenged I felt like she really challenged me that doing doing good by myself wasn't good enough for her right um, and so that that would really hit me in a lot of different ways where where it was doing good isn't doing good by yourself isn't gonna change the world than the world that you live in or the world that I'm gonna live in um, so I feel like we all have to do not only do I'll call I'll call it do our part you know behave appropriately, but but since it isn't the the I'll call it the cultural norm or the majority, we have to do a little bit more than that to really affect the change that we want in the world. Well, and then kudos to your daughter 
for <laughs> being, uh, how old is she? She's 13 now. So she must have been, she's probably 12 at that time, something like that. She was really listening, really listening. So that must make you feel good. It does. That's, uh, that's right. I am raising you good. Absolutely. There, there's a number of things that uh, she, she does things that, that uh, both my children do, but my daughter definitely does things that, that I, uh, I really appreciate uh, from her, like not only challenging me about things like that, but uh, also, you know, not, I'll call it not accepting gender norms for, for a number of, of things, right? So I'll give you another example. Like her lacrosse, she, she played lacrosse this, this past spring. And the girls' lacrosse team would practice outside when it was cold and it was raining or snowing or something like that. And so the girls' lacrosse team would practice outside and the boys' lacrosse team got to practice inside. Mm-hmm. And so I got, when I heard that the first time, I got mad about it. I was like, how is that fair? I don't understand. How is that fair? Why are you okay with this? And my daughter looked at me in the eye. She goes, that's okay, Dad. Those boys aren't tough enough for this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's the little things like that. I'm like, good for her, right? She's not going to – even when I might think things are unfair, and maybe they are unfair. Maybe that is favoritism. Mm. But she's not taking that as a, as, a chi- as a chip on her shoulder or a knockdown. She's kind of embracing that and, and pushing forward. Right, because not everything in life is fair. Yeah. And if I have a 12-year-old – and I'm not, I'm, I'm really trying to teach her that some things are going to be uncomfortable, some things are going to be unfair, and it's how you work through them that's going to really make the difference. You know, it's not trying to eliminate the uncomfortableness or the unfairness. Um, so that's, that's an awesome example. Yeah, thank you. So as a WNRG lead, yes, uh, leader, what do you see? How, what, what is your goal for being an advocate? Um, my goal for being an advocate is really uh, creating a program for advocacy, not just allyship. So we, here's what I want and here's what I don't want to try to achieve. What I, I don't want to achieve an organ, to, to have an organization, the WNRG, where men join the organization and they're seen as allies and so that when, the, when called upon, they'll come to, to, to aid and to help. I want to create a strategy and organization where we have a, a set of advocates, men who are part of the organization who want to change the cultural norm and who will actively be acting upon the, their beliefs in order to change the cultural norm to help women achieve equality. Now, I'm not talking about favoritism or something like that, but to really to achieve equality because we don't have an equal system today. So really what I want to achieve is create a strategy and a system for men, because there are a lot of men who, who believe in this and who really want to help, um, but we don't have a system to re- that really enables them to go do so. So I want to bel- create a strategy and a system to enable them to advocate for change and to advocate for women across this company, and by doing so, hopefully over time, affect the cultural change and the worldview change that we need to have a, an equal workplace for both men and women. And that's incredible. And we thank you for being an advocate for the WNRG and uh, starting that strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah, go ahead, please. Oh, I was like, Carrie, so what difficulties do you see that women are facing in the workplace? And what do you feel that men can currently do to help support not only women, but the entire team? Oh, that's a great question. Um I would say that women face a number of cultural norms that they don't even think about the vast majority of times that are impediments to having them achieve long-term career success here. 
at or at any other company. Um, I've read a number of studies over the past since my daughter gave me grief. I've I've tried to embrace that and 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 do more reading. I like to read, so I've been reading a lot of studies and things like that about about why why do things exist the way they do today. And there's one study that's that's fairly frequently cited. And I can't think of the name of it off the, off the top of my head, but it really talks about how we train boys and girls differently starting at elementary school. And I say boys and girls because this is elementary school, and they talk about how they're treated differently. And they talk about how teachers treat them differently, how um, a girl might raise her hand to answer a question, let's call it in science class, and she gives an answer, and she's wrong. And the teacher says, I'm sorry, Miss so-and-so, that's not the right answer. Does someone else have, a, have another answer? And, you know, and so um, the girl's taught, oh, you better be right and answer the question, uh, otherwise you shouldn't raise your hand, right? And then they do the same thing, and a boy raises his hand. Oh, Mr. So-and-so, uh, what's, the, what's the answer to that question? And the boy gives an answer, and it's wrong too. And the teacher goes, I'm sorry, that's not right. Do you want to try again? Mm. And right there, from that moment on, we're teaching a slight gender difference about, mm-hmm. hey, females, make sure you're right before you go and do, before you raise your hand and volunteer for something. Boys, it's okay to take a risk and be wrong, and you're going to keep on getting chances to go do that. And I think we see that 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 manifests itself, that cultural norm manifests itself throughout uh, later life as well, where women, you read any number of studies, where women will apply for jobs that they know that they can do and they're well qualified for. And men will apply for jobs that they have no experience in, but they think they will do a good job for. So automatically, women are self-selecting themselves out of opportunities just because of their, I'll call it their cultural training and approach to the world as opposed to men. There's a hiring side to that too. But I think when you're asking, so what, what can men do to begin, what can we do to begin with, is just getting educated about the cultural norms and the, and the, the biases and the, and the uh, I'll say biases, I was about to say culture again, but the biases and structures that we create that can impede women from achieving and just help help other women see that or help women see that help women see that they are they they erect as many barriers to themselves as the men around them or whoever the structures around them yeah. are erecting i have i yeah. had i've had a couple of mentoring circles within the w energy which were phenomenal for me by the way absolutely phenomenal um and so many of the women there so many of them that I interacted with it wasn't that they weren't capable but it's they put up their own barriers to themselves to achieving more uh, for any number mm. of reasons, but they were they were they put up their own barriers because the cultural norms that they were raised in put those barriers up, and they were so risk adverse um, that they didn't want to take those chances. So just having conversations with them and have and, and talking through them and and letting them take a look at that, I think that, uh, I'm hoping that made a difference. Well, I, I have a perfect example of that. Yeah, I had a, a mentor share with me about an opportunity that was out there. And as she's sharing with me the opportunity, the first thing I did was run through the list of reasons why I wasn't qualified. And (laughs) as soon as she stopped talking, I said, that's awesome. However, A, B, and C, and she said, stop, what are you doing? She's like, I don't want to hear about why you're not qualified. I only want to hear about why you are qualified. And it was like this huge moment where I was like, ah, I can't believe I just did that, you know, but that was the first thing I thought of. Well, yeah, I could do that role. However, I don't have the time, experience, location, you know, and she said, nope, from now on, I just want you to think about why you would be the best fit. That, that 
that actually to me was pretty life changing. So I, I I wrote down risk adverse because that is me. I, sometimes I just <laughs> don't want to go there because I'm afraid of the of the failure piece or or not being able to do it, um, which is not who I am. I mean, it's just not. So I, that's, that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Have Have you ever yeah. read the Have you read the book The Confidence Code? Hmm. No. Oh, I, I think will. that's the second time that's been brought up here. It's um, a, I think Maria Schaefer as well maybe brought it up, or maybe I binge on podcasts, and I know Tim Ferriss has mentioned this. Absolutely. Which it's one is it? The Confidence Code. Oh, okay. I'll it's write it down. Phenomenal book. It's okay. A, it's, 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 it's a, I'll call it a phenomenal book, and I would call it a phenomenal book not just for women to read. It's, it's uh, really about uh, confidence in women. But it's a, it was a great book for me to read as a male because it— it hit so many things that have ne- would never cross my mind, but as I've talked to you know uh, females and peers of mine and things like that, they're like, "Oh, that's absolutely true." Um, but it were so many uh, aspects that I would never cross my mind otherwise. And Tara said the phrase that you repeated from yeah. you, the risk adverse. I mean, I was I just did you know, I did a memo check uh, <laughs> in my head. I you, I like that phrase because that's how we often do. Um, it's our image or what we think is our image. Yeah. So to be aware of that and to keep keep it um, top of mind, I'm so glad that you shared that. You said it. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and again, I think I don't I don't think it's an individual. I think it's the way that we we as a culture uh, operate and train. So really, we have to, as much as anything else, change in the way uh, uh, any entity operates. You have to under you have to change the culture. You have to change the worldview. Um, and you, and that doesn't happen overnight, but it happens bit by bit. And you got, but you got to keep on chipping away at it to make that change. Because when we start making those changes, that's when you know the world starts to change for others. That's good. And I think that's like that's the key mm-hmm. right there that you've mentioned is to just keep having these conversations and utilizing that education piece, which is why beyond being an ally, being a true advocate is so essential to. To everything that we do so again thank you for for bringing these points up and it really is like a paradigm shift uh in your mental thinking of just like i i do not have to go deliver food today for example uh, we had orders um come in we have an in-person meeting and uh, one of my managers came up and he said you know you didn't have to go deliver the food to our desk i just i hadn't even thought about it i just that that's what i did and I, I didn't think about it. Uh, and I was like, you know what? That's really nice that he brought that to my attention. I, I did not have to do that. Yeah. Um, a- absolutely. Yeah. And, I, I mean, think about it. Think about the last time that you were in a meeting, let's say with a bunch of other people, and there was food and drink in the meeting. Think about the last time that the last person to leave the room was male and they were doing the cleanup. Oh, that's good. As right. opposed to right. a female. Right. Right? That's so true. But I think it's also the uh, personality of a person, too. Yes, that goes into it. I think so, too. But I'll, my, 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 I'll, take, I'll take a gamble. <laughs> I bet that it's a, a pretty small minority. I agree. I, I wouldn't bet a nickel on it, that's right? for sure. I understand. Um, and I think that that is as much an accountability on men in our, uh, men in our society mm-hmm. to make that change more than anybody else. Because it's not... It can't just be the women who are who want the change. It has to be the men that are advocating for that change and who start behaving like that as well, exhibiting those behaviors that need to, to help the culture change. Otherwise, it's not going to. 
And that's all the time we have for today's episode. Make sure to continue our conversation next week and catch part two. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.